Sophie's World by Josephine Gardner. The Renaissance. Oh, divine lineage in mortal guise. It was just twelve when Sophie reached Joanna's front gate, out of breath with running. Joanna was standing in the front yard outside of her family's yellow house. You've been gone for five hours, Joanna said sharply. Sophie shook her head. No. I've been gone for more than a thousand years. Where on earth have you been? You're crazy. Your mom called a half an hour ago. What did you tell her? I said you were at the drugstore. She said she said we'll call you later when she came back. But you should have seen my mom and dad when they came in with hot chocolate and rolls at ten this morning. And your bed was empty. What did you say to them? It was really embarrassing. I told them you went home because we got mad at each other. So we better hurry up and be friends again. And we have to make sure that your parents don't talk to my mom for a few days. Do you think we could do that? Joanna shrugged. Just then, her father came around the corner with a wheelbarrow. He had a pair of coveralls on and was busy clearing up last year's leaves and twigs. Aha, so you're friends again, I see. Well, there's not so much as a single leaf left on the basement steps now. Fine, said Sophie, so perhaps we can have our hot chocolate there instead of in bed. Joanna's dad gave a forced laugh, but Joanna gasped. Verbal exchanges had always been more robust in Sophie's family than in the well-to-do home of Mr. Ingenbriston, the financial advisor, and his wife. I'm sorry, Joanna, but I ought to feel part, take part of this cover-up operation as well. Are you going to tell me about it? Sure, if you walk home with me. Because it's not for the ears of financial advisors or overgrown Barbie dolls. That's a rotten thing to say. I suppose you think a rocky marriage that drives one of the partners away to sea is better? Probably not, but I hardly slept last night. And another thing, I've begun to wonder whether Hilda can see everything we do. They began to walk towards Clover Close. You mean she might have a second sight? Maybe. Maybe not. Joanna was clearly not enthusiastic about all the secrecy. But that doesn't explain why her father sent a lot of crazy postcards from an empty cabin in the woods. I admit that is a weak spot. Do you want to tell me where you have been? So she did. Sophie told her everything about the mysterious philosophy course as well. She made Joanna swear to keep everything secret. They walked for a long time without speaking. As they approached Clover Close, Joanna said, I don't like it. She stopped at Sophie's gate and turned to go home again. Nobody asked you like to like it, but philosophy is not a harmless party game. It's about who we are and where we come from. Do you think we learn enough about that at school? Nobody can answer questions like that anyway. Yes, but we don't even get to ask them. Lunch was on the table when Sophie walked into the kitchen. Nothing was said about her not being called from Joanna's. After lunch, Sophie announced that she was going to take a nap. She admitted that she had hardly slept at Joanna's house, which was not at all unusual at a sleepover. Before getting into bed, she stood at the front of the big brass mirror, which now hung on her wall. At first, she saw only her own white and exhausted face. But then, then behind her own face, the faintest suggestion of another face seemed to appear. 
Sophie took one or two deep breaths. It was no good starting to imagine things. She studied the sharp contours of her own pale face, framed by impossible hair, which defied any style but nature's own. But beyond that face was an apparition of another girl. Suddenly the other girl began to wink frantically with both eyes, as if to signal that she was really in there on the other side. The apparition lasted only a few seconds. Then she was gone. Sophie sat down on the edge of her bed. She had absolutely no doubt that it was Hilda she had seen in the mirror. She had caught a glimpse of her picture on the school ID in the major's cabin. It must be the same girl she had seen in the mirror. Wasn't it odd how she always experienced mysterious things like this when she was dead tired? It meant that afterward, she always had to ask herself whether it really had happened. Sophie laid her clothes on the chair and crawled into bed. She fell asleep at once and had a strangely vivid dream. She dreamed she was standing in a large garden that sloped down to a red boathouse. On the dock behind it sat a young, fair-haired girl gazing out over the water. Sophie walked down and sat behind beside her, but the girl seemed not to notice her. Sophie introduced herself. I'm Sophie, she said, but the other girl could apparently neither see nor hear her. Suddenly Sophie heard a voice calling, Hilda! At once, the girl jumped up from where she was sitting and ran as fast as she could up to the house. She couldn't have been deaf or blind at all. A middle-aged man came striding from the house toward her. He was wearing a khaki uniform and a blue barrette. The girl threw his arms around his neck, and he swung her around a few times. Sophie noticed the little gold crucifix on the chain lying on the dock where the girl had been sitting. She picked it up and held it in her hand. Then she woke up. Sophie looked at the clock. She had been asleep for two hours. She sat up in bed, thinking about the strange dream. It was so real that she felt as if she had actually lived the experience. She was equally sure that the house and the dock really existed somewhere. Surely resembled the picture she had seen hanging in the major's cabin. Anyway, there was no doubt at all that the girl in her dream was Hilda Molognag, and the man was her father, home from Lebanon. In her dream, he had looked a lot like Alberto Knox. As Sophie stood up and began to tidy her bed, she found a gold crucifix on the train under her pillow. On the back of the crucifix, there were three letters engraved, H-M-K. This was certainly not the first time Sophie had dreamed she found treasure, but this was definitely the first time she had dreamed Bart back from the dream. Darn, she said aloud. She was so mad that she opened the closet door and hurled the delicate crucifix onto the top scalp with the silk scarf, the white stocking, and the postcards from Lebanon. The next morning, Sophie woke up to a big breakfast of hot rolls, orange juice, eggs, and vegetable salad. It was not often her mother was up before Sophie on Sunday morning. When she was, she liked to fix a solid meal for Sophie. While they were eating, Mom said, There's a strange dog in the garden. It's been sniffing around the hedge all morning. I can't imagine what it's doing here, can you? 
Yes, Sophie burst out, and at once regretting it. Has it been here before? Sophie had already left the table and gone into the living room to look out of the window facing the large garden. It was just as she thought. Hermes was lying in front of the secret entrance to her den. What could she say? She had no time to think of anything before her mother came and stood beside her. Did you say it has been here before? she asked. I expect I buried a bone there and now it's come to fetch its treasures. Dogs have memories, too. Maybe you're right, Sophie. You're the animal physiologist in the family. Sophie thought feverishly. I'll take it home, she said. You know where it lives, then? Sophie shrugged her shoulders. He's probably got an address on his collar. A couple minutes later, Sophie was on her way toward the garden. When Hermes caught sight of her, he came lolloping down toward her, wagging his tail and jumping up to her. Good boy, Hermes, said Sophie. She knew her mother was watching from the window. She prayed he would not go through the hedge. But the dog dashed toward the gravel path in front of the house, streaked in front of the front yard, and jumped up to the gate. When they had shut the gate behind them, Hermes continued to run a few yards in front of Sophie. It was a long way. Sophie and Hermes were not the only ones out for a Sunday walk. Whole families were setting off for the day. Sophie felt a pang of envy. From time to time, Hermes would run off and sniff at another dog or at something interesting from the garden hedge. But at once, Sophie called, Here, boy! He would come back to her at once. They crossed an old pasture, a large playing field, and a playground, and emerged into an area with more traffic. They continued toward the town center, along a broad street with cobbled stones and street carts. Hermes led the way across the town square and up Church Street. They came out onto Old Town with its massive state house, townhouses from the turn of the century. It was almost half past one. Now they were on the other side of town. Sophie had not been there very often. Once, when she was little, she remembered she had been taken to visit an old aunt in one of these streets. Eventually, they reached a little square between several old houses. It was called New Square, although it looked very old. But then the whole town was old. It had been founded way back in the Middle Ages. Hermes walked towards number 14, where he stood still and waited for Sophie to open the door. Her heart began to beat faster. Inside the front door, there were a number of green mailboxes attached to the panel. Sophie noticed a postcard hanging from one of the mailboxes in the top row. It had a stamped message from the mailman across it to the effect that the addressee was unknown. The addressee was Hilde Molognag, 14 New Square. It was postmarked June 14th, 15th. That was not for two weeks, but the mailman had obviously not noticed that. Sophie took the card down and read it. Dear Hilde, now Sophie is coming to the philosopher's house. She will soon be 15, but you were 15 yesterday. Or is it today, Hilde? If it is today, it must be late then. But our watches do not always agree. One generation ages while another generation is brought forth. In the meantime, history takes its course. Have you ever thought that the history of Europe is like a human life? 
Antiquity is like the childhood of Europe. Uh, then comes the interminable Middle Ages, Europe's school day. But at last comes the Renaissance. The long school day is over. Europe comes of age in a burst of exuberance and a thirst for life. We could say that the Renaissance is Europe's 15th birthday. It is mid-June, my child, and it is wonderful to be alive. P.S. Sorry to hear you lost your gold crucifix. You must learn to take better care of your things. Love, Dad, who is just around the corner.